0: You know, again, sometimes we will sing our way through an incredible message and sometimes miss the message. I uh, surely so wonderfully alluded to it's the finished work of Christ. It's the finished work. He came and shed his blood. And it says in the Bible, without the forgiveness, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness Well, he shed his blood. Therefore, we are. Forgiven For those of us to accept Jesus Christ, the plan of God, we are saved, we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are restored. And sometimes that stuff needs to really sit in us because we keep thinking one day I'll be redeemed or one day I'll be restored or one day I'll be saved or my salvation is in jeopardy depending on what I do. But all of that is... Theologically incorrect, because our salvation is not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ has done for us. So understanding that will allow you to be free. Now, again, most people would like to think free from what free to live the life that God has given you to live, not free to sin, because that's a waste of time. That is absolutely a waste of time. Um, but to be free to live. You've been set free to serve the living God. How do I serve him? By being free. By being a testimony to the fact that he plunged me beneath the blood. <laughs> that he plunged me and cleansed me and bought me with his redeeming love. I, again, how, how beautiful is that? So thank you so much for, for that particular song for been able to share that with you but hopefully you understand so as we start a new series today i want to use the term which you've heard me say before on many occasions a paradigm shift a paradigm shift satan has been very very meticulous in locking us up in a couple of areas to really keep us from doing what God has called us to do. The first one. This part is free. It's turning, using the terminology that this building is the church. I just want you to go with me for a second. I think it's important that we deal with this. If we use the terminology of the mindset that this building is the church. Then church gets dwindled down to a one-hour event. Most churches use the science of having a service last one hour. There's some churches I grew up in. We didn't have a sign, so church would last for three and a half hours. <laughs> but most churches have, have a science that they've dwindled church down to a one-hour event. Are y'all hearing me today? There's, there's announcements and there's some singing. There's you know, stuff they call praise and worship. And then there's the word. And then there's communion. And then there's departure. One hour event and sometimes it is so timely that you almost have people behind the scenes back there with a hook ready to snatch you off stage if you don't complete the time limit that you're supposed to complete so we can have the one hour event. But as long as we think that is church, then when that one hour is over, then the real church, which is the people leave the building, not thinking that they're supposed to be out there doing their ministry. So. If we can turn this thing around and begin to turn it around in your spirit, and your mind, here's what I want you to understand. You, us, we are the church, not the building. Therefore, we come here to be refueled. We come here to get our passions ignited. Then we go out of this building to be the church. As we said earlier, to spread the gospel, which is the good news. We are the good news for society. Society's in a bad way. They need good news. But we are that good news. But if we think we served it in here for one hour, then we go out there and we become victims of society. No, we are the victors. We are the good news that the world needs. But that means we got to learn. Church is not a one hour event, church is 365. Maybe we're going to coin that phrase. Get a t-shirt that says church is 365. I think it's important that we get that. Are y'all following me today? Why is that important? Because this is what the world needs. All right. So paradigm shifts. That's one. The next one is learning how to live above your fears. That's what we're going to talk about today. Learning how to live above your fears. This will need you to understand The finished work of Christ and incorporate it in your life. You must understand it is already done. Oh man, I sure hope you can get this today. It is already done. Your job is to receive what is done, incorporate it in your life, and live like it is done. You know, we were talking earlier about cooking and I'm not the world's greatest cook, so I will open the oven about 50 times to check and see if the food is done. And whenever it kind of looks done, I'll then call my wife and say, hey, can you come and look at this and tell me if you think it's done? And she'll give me her opinion, and then I'll still leave it in there for 15 more minutes. Until it's past done. But it's complete. What we have to learn is that what God has done for us is complete. It's done. It doesn't need any more nursing. It doesn't need anything added to it. Your job, my job is to have faith in what God has provided for us. Is this making sense to you? So as we do this particular study, this particular uh, set of uh, series on living above your fears, I want you to hold on to that fact. So everybody out there say with me, it is done. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's done. So let's just read a little something. I want you to understand this living above your fears. It says the just and awesome nature of God will never diminish. What do I mean by that? God is just. So that means sin has to be paid for. It says the wages of sin is death. That is his justice. Do you understand? So that will never diminish. God will always be just. But listen, it says the just and awesome nature of God will never diminish. But his fatherly love has manifested itself through Jesus. So this justice for us without Jesus was unavoidable. Justice was all there was for us without Christ. There was no way for man to find a way to justify himself before God without Jesus. Oh boy, I hope y'all understand that this morning. So our just God devised the plan that would allow us to return from the justice of sin and the justice due for sin was death. He allowed us to be able to escape that through his son, Jesus. Let us read on. It says, but his fatherly love has manifested itself through Jesus. His tenderness has replaced terror. And we need to get this because in the Old Testament before Christ, when it said the fear of God, that meant terror. That meant to be so afraid of him and his justice. But when Jesus came and died, Jesus changed God's heart back from tend- to tenderness from terror. Are y'all understanding me today? And we're going to back it up today with scripture, but I need you to understand it because a lot of us today are still living in terror of God. Here's the funny part. I heard somebody say the other day, I can't wait for God to come back and show these people how 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 powerful he is. Well, wait a minute. You one of them people. <laughs> and the only reason that that kind of terror will not come on you is because of Jesus. So the people that you think it should come on, may have accepted Jesus too. Are y'all understanding me today? But just because they don't think like you, you may want something to happen to them, and that's not the way this is. The finished work of Christ, the finished work of Jesus, has opened a door of tenderness from our God. Now, some folks don't like that. Oh, they can't perceive God as being tender. But He is. And thank God that tenderness comes from him. Is he still just? Yes. So for everybody who is still living in that world that doesn't know who Christ is, that's why the church, the paradigm shift for the church is so important. It is our job not to sit in here and feel like we're safe and happy. Our job is to go out there to find everybody who's at jeopardy Under the terror of God so we can show them his tenderness. Does that make sense to everybody? But see, we've become salt shakers. We're all in here having a wonderful time. We've turned this into a really different kind of mindset. Think about this. They'll they'll ask you, what is your ministry in church? So all ministry has been combined down to a one hour period. So people come here to exercise their spiritual gifts in here for a one-hour period. Oh, I sure hope y'all are understanding me today. So everything has been condensed down by Satan to this one-hour event. So if you spend your spiritual gift in here for one hour, what happens to the world for the next 23 hours? What happens to your family? What happens to you? It leaves nothing but fear out there. And we have to learn personally to live above our fears and then teach that to the world. Is this making sense to anybody today? Let's have some fun. Let's go to a scripture I think may help us. It says here, fear has two parts. The awe of God and the fear of man. Fear has two parts. The awe of God and the fear of man. Let's go to Malachi chapter 2. Uh, We're going to be reading this one from the Amplified Translation. Are you ready to have some fun today? I think this is going to be a pretty fun series, but it's important that we get this. And I pray, God, that foundational stuff we just talked about will give you a good foundation to stand on as we make this paradigm shift. Malachi chapter 2, we're going to read verses 5 and 6. Listen closely. It says, my covenant with Levi was one of life and peace and I gave them to him as an object of what reverence so he and the priests feared me and stood in reverent awe of my name so once God began to do this particular thing he had this that he had them in this place of they feared me but in reverent awe what is reverent awe That means you know that this God can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God. You know this God can change the nature of the earth. He is supernatural. He proved that with Moses when he split the Red Sea. So listen to me. We live on a globe right now. And there is sea. Water, seas, so many different seas, the Red Sea, the Pacific Ocean, all of these different things, all of these big, huge bodies of water, but they're contained by God. God has given them the borders by which they exist in. They cannot escape those borders. You go to the ocean right now and you see wave after wave after wave, but the wave knows its distance to come on shore and then it must go back out. God is in complete control. We should be in awe of that God. Are y'all hearing me? But I want you to know this. You need to be in awe Instead of terror and fear. Is this making sense today? Well, let's keep reading because I think it opened itself up. It says, true instruction was in Levi's mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. How does he get the peace and uprightness unless God changed his mind about terror Or justice to peace or tenderness. And he turned many from wickedness. If you live in fear of God, you can't turn somebody from wickedness. I need you to understand this today. If you live in fear of God, you can't turn people from wickedness. Why? Because you don't know where that's at. If you're living in fear, then you're in fear of you falling victim to his justice. You are living in fear yourself, and it's hard to turn somebody from wickedness to fear. See, we can keep telling people, hear me, don't do that. Stop doing that. Don't go there. Don't touch that. Don't smell that. Don't drink that. We can keep saying that all we want, but the power to stop doing that comes from this awe of God that is contained in grace. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I need you to understand me today. Telling people no will be the first thing that they do. You know, if you tell your kids, don't go in that room. Where are your kids going as soon as they think you're not looking? They're going in that room. How do I know that? My mama told me I went to the room. Your parents told you, you went to the room. But still we keep trying to do the same thing to this next, you know, to the next group of people. Don't don't go there, don't touch that, don't do this. What happens? They go there, they touch that, they do that. So I'm telling you, what's the best way to do this? Is understand who God is to you right now. If you can understand, That he has saved you from the justice that you were due. You understand the totality of your salvation. Once you understand that you didn't deserve it. That it was given to you by grace. Then understanding that grace will teach you to say no to ungodliness. If I know God saved me. Redeemed me and restored me. And I understand I didn't deserve that. Why would I go back to something that would put in jeopardy what he saved me from? I am free to move forward. I hope this is making sense today. Let's go to another verse. I think this will open up some more. Living above your fears. First Peter chapter five. We're going to read from verses six through 11. And this is in the passion translation. First Peter chapter five. It says, if you bow low in God's awesome presence. He will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. I could preach on that all day long. Why would you bow low in God's awesome presence? Awesome means beyond our capability to actually understand. God is beyond our capability to actually understand. Our words are too small to describe the awesomeness of God. So... But if I understand my relationship with him right now is the fact that Jesus died for me, God now has reconciled me to him. If I begin to understand that, I can bow low to a God who loved me so much that he changed my eternity, even though I didn't deserve to have my eternity changed. What I deserve was the burning hell forever. But because he sent his son to save me, It is done. It's complete. So now I can receive this new concept of my eternity. Let me keep reading this. I hope this makes sense to you today. It says pour out all your worries. How many of your worries? And stress. How many of us know that stress is the number one killer in the world? Stress kills more people than any other disease on the planet Earth. Stress. Why? Because stress is a form of worry. Once you begin to worry, your body produces adrenaline. Once adrenaline begins to run in your body. Now, adrenaline is good if you're being chased by a dog late at night. That adrenaline will cause you to jump over a nine-foot fence and never touch it. (laughs) But it's not supposed to run in your body all the time. Stress creates adrenaline to operate in your body constantly. Adrenaline is like an acid. It is not supposed to be there. So it creates this really destructive thing in your system. Stress will worry. It will kill you. Why? You are worrying about things that you can't change. You are concerned about things that you cannot change. So here's where this thing gets powerful. Learning to live above your fears mean you're going to have to give up control. And boy, do we love control. Don't we? We love control. Nothing is right until we can control it. But you have no control. You have none. We're at the mercy of a tender, loving, kind God. We can't control anything. You can't control the wind. You can't control gravity. You can't control anything. We are under the awesome power of a loving and kind God. So what do we do? Bow low. Submit thyself to him. Let's read on. It says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. This is where we usually mess this up. Trying to live above our fears. Will tell God, God, please take this. Take it. And then God gotta beat you up to get it out of your hands. <laughs> and then you go back later and fight Him for it. And we usually do. We don't let stuff go. Somebody said to me the other day, I said, uh, man, you must not just you don't care, do you? I go, What do you mean? He said. We were we were concerned about this situation. You don't be you don't seem to be concerned about it at all. I said, didn't we pray about that situation? They said, yeah. I said, well, I left it there. I'm I'm not going to take it home with me. What? what? No. If if you're going to leave it there, you got to leave it there. Is anybody understanding me? See, what you usually do, we'll pray, say God take it, and then we step back and get our watch because now we want to see. Hey, I need it done right like right now, Lord. I need it done right now. But guess what? God don't have a time X. So he does things in his time. What you got to learn to do is let it go. Let it go. And don't fear that he won't take care of it. Don't fear that it's taking too long. Let it go. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he, what? Always. How long is Always. He always, what, tenderly cares for you. Can you believe that today? Can you believe that he always tenderly cares for you? If you can believe that today, it begins to release the stress. And the other part is, learning to live above your fears means it takes the timing off. You stop keeping time. Well, Lord, I prayed last week That you would do such and such. And it's been seven whole days, Lord. And it hasn't changed yet. Can you hear God laughing right now? Can you hear him laughing tenderly at us? Take the timing off. Let it go. Let's read. It says, be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy, the devil... Roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous, what? Faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is believing that you ask God something. You believe that it exists even though you can't see it. it takes the time away. You learn to live above your fears. Your fears don't control you anymore. You let that stuff go. Is this making sense to anybody today? It says, <laughs> take a decisive stand against him. And resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of trouble you endure. And then, listen closely, after your brief suffering, isn't it nice of the Bible to call our suffering brief? We don't call it brief, do we? <laughs> We have a different word we want to put in front of that, right? Unbearable, can't stand up to, you know, those kinds of things. But it says, brief, listen, and then after your brief suffering, the God of all, loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ. Oh, hold on to something. Well, personally. Wait a minute. God said he will personally. God said he will personally. I don't think y'all understand me today. God said he will personally. Oh, and what powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever before. So I need you to stop looking at your fears and start looking at the God who was above all things, who said he will personally and powerfully restore you paradigm shift. See, we continue to look at sin as though it's an issue. I'm here to tell you today. Grace is the issue. His undeserved kindness towards us is the issue and it's real and it's undeniable. So what am I asking you to do? If you look towards his grace, you'll begin to live above your fears because your fears will lose their power. Satan is running around trying to increase your view of fear. So what does he do? Right now, man, and all the TV stations, all the stuff that you hear, I mean... If you leave it to that stuff, what are we coming to church for? It's already over. It's already done. What the heck are we coming to church for? What are you waking up for? Because if you leave it to that, it's already done. And then you have all of these conspiracy theorists and stuff. I mean, I've heard some of the most craziest stuff in the world. Somebody stood up at a church recently and said, don't take the vaccination shot. It changes your DNA. God gave us our DNA. God created us. No vaccine is going to change your DNA. Because if God wanted your DNA changed, He would have changed it. I need you to stop looking at stuff that is not eternal and give it power because that keeps you in fear. I need you to look at what is eternal. Because people have you believe in all kind of stuff. <laughs> Let me stop, man. I'm Hopefully, if you were afraid to take your vaccine shot, I think it's kind of proven that the vaccine shot works against the disease. But that's just Pastor Ben. You know, who am I? But, you know, that person you listen to on the Internet, I'm pretty sure, yeah, they know the truth. (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you, you keep listening to that stuff, it builds your fear. I'm telling you to listen to the God who takes away your fear. And gives you courage, gives you strength to stand on. Let's read this verse. It says, Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. Who will do this? God, who powerfully is capable. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. Who will do that? God will. And he has no power. It says he has all the power needed to do this. How long? Forever. Amen. So who has the power? I said, who has the power? So does man have the power to stop what God has planned? So your fear then becomes that you think man has somehow risen to the level of being able to stop the plan of God, to alter the plan of God. And I'm here to tell you today, stop it. Cause it's driving you crazy. It's causing your fears to grow above your faith. And that should not be the case. Your faith should overcome your fear and you learn how to live then in faith and that gives you the courage to go out and talk to people and save them, not be engaged in the same stuff that is holding them captive. I refuse to live in fear when I have a God who is more powerful than anything, who promised he would firmly put me in place, take care of me forever. I have to believe that because if I don't, then fear takes over and the next thing you know, one fear, grows another, and another, and another, and pretty soon you're afraid to drink milk. (laughs) I'm serious. Because you think there's some... Oh, let me even stop. uh, Let's go to Psalms, chapter 33. I pray God this is helping you today. Psalms, chapter 33. Again, we're learning to live above our fears. It says... This is in the Amplified Translation. It says, let all the earth, listen closely to this, let all the earth fear and worship the Lord. Wait a minute. Fear here means awe, be in awe of God, and then to worship him. Worship, the natural form of our worship is to give God our lives. Again, Satan has been incredibly meticulous in having us come here for the one-hour event and do Praise and worship. Oh, please hear me today. (laughs) We come and extend praise and worship within the realm of that one hour event. And it's usually so timed that the song on, on, on the thing when it was written was three minutes and 45 seconds long. So we do three minutes and 45 seconds. If you do the song for three minutes and 46 seconds, somebody shuts the light off. (laughs) pulls you off the stage. I need you to hear me today. Worship is giving God our lives. So where does worship actually take place? Not in here for a one hour event, but out there that he can use me to change people in my circle of influence. So my worship is to live knowing that he has changed me. He has restored me. He protects me. He guides me. My ministry is out there, not in here. But he has been so meticulous that we'll come in here and cry during that 12-minute worship session. And then go out there and fume at the mouth with venom of hate and divisiveness. Oh, I sure hope you all are hearing me today. Satan has been good at this. We need to do a paradigm shift, man. Your ministry is out there. You come in here to be refueled, to have your passions reignited. Let's read on. It says, let all the earth fear and worship the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For the world to stand in awe of God, you got to stand there first. Are you in awe of your God? Are you in this expectant wonder of God? You believe what God has told you in his Bible. The God breathed word of God. Do you believe that it's true? Then if you do, it changes how you see things. It allows you. Just stand firmly against all the wicked wiles of Satan who roams the earth looking for whom he can devour. Does he want to devour you? Oh, yes, he does. Where does that take place? He's not trying to bite at your feet. He's trying to bite at your mind. What does he want you to do? He wants you to live in fear instead of above your fears. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Who can change this? I said, who can change this? Who was there when God created the earth and said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You made the land too big. Shorten that up. Oh, you made the sun too hot. Why don't you decrease some of the temperature of the sun? None of us, no one, because he is the creator. Do you believe in the creator? Do you believe that what he has said and what he has prepared for us cannot be turned around? It cannot be stopped. If you believe that, then what are you afraid of? What is your fear? I deserve the right to be afraid. Have fun with that because it can't serve you because all you can do is share fear with somebody else or receive fear from someone else and neither one of those are good the lord nullifies listen closely the lord nullifies the counsel of the nations i'm going to dance for a minute y'all y'all excuse me see again it's proving that man doesn't have the power to change what God wants or what God has done. He nullifies the counsel. We cannot counsel God. God has given us everything that we will ever need. So he nullifies the counsel of the nations. He makes the thoughts and plans of the people ineffective. I didn't write this last night. This is in N-R-B-I-B-L-E. Can can you believe today that you? I don't care what Satan plans, God is the best of planners. Can you believe that today? I say, can you believe that today? For some of us, it's going to be a hard stretch because we have been believing the wrong and the fear for so long. It's almost hard for us to have a faith in an invisible God. faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen the counsel of the Lord stands forever the thoughts and plans of his heart the thoughts and plans of his heart through all come on y'all y'all need to be running around the building bouncing off the walls about now (laughs) and plans of his heart through how many generations? So if you're worried about, oh, my grandkids, oh, my great grandkids. Oh, listen, all generations. Listen, God was so good that the people who lived before Christ, he wouldn't let them pay the price for their sins. He waited till his son died and then he sent his son back to those people. So they would have a choice to accept Jesus and have their sins paid for. We serve a God who cannot be touched. We serve a God whose plan is for us to be with him forever. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God. Is the nation whose God is the Lord. I could spend some time here today. But I need you to know something. You can't say this and make it true. You know what makes it true? In Acts, it said they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why did they call them Christians in Antioch? Not because they had bumper stickers. Not because they were waving all kind of signs. They were called Christians in Antioch because the lifestyle of those people resembled the lifestyle of Christ. So the people who knew something about Jesus was able to see Jesus in the lives of those people. So when it says blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the nation who God is their Lord Not because we say it, but because we live it. We keep trying to change God into what he we want him to be. It just told us he doesn't need counsel from us. We need him. And when you get this, it releases your fears. It releases them. You no longer have to live in fear. Why? Because I have a God who cannot be touched. I'm almost done. It says, and favored by God is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks down mm, 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 from heaven. He sees all the sons of man. From his dwelling place, he looks closely upon the inhabitants Of the earth. He who fashions, he who fashions, he, God, who fashions the hearts of them all, who considers and understands all they do. I'm going to stop there for today. I'll pick it up there next week. But here's something I need you to understand. In Psalms 33, God is trying to speak to us. Why? Because he wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know his power. He wants us to know how thorough he is as God. My heart today tells me. There are so many of you today so worn out because you're not living above your fears. You're living right in the midst of them. And daily, it is eating you alive. So today, as we start this series, as we work our way through it, I want you to know about a God who is all-powerful, Who knows your heart. He knows what you're going through. And he sent his God breathed word to you. That when you read it and have faith in it. It takes away your angst. On top of that. He says cast all of your cares. Your worries. Your concern onto me. Why? Because I care for you. And we have to learn to practice that. What does Satan want? Satan is meticulous in making sure that fear remains your number one vision, your number one obstacle that 's his job. fear false evidence appearing real false evidence appearing real that 's what fear is it 's false evidence. It just appears real. I'm here to tell you, you have a God who is, wants you to live above your fears. Do you know him today? If not, make that exchange right now. Make that exchange right now. In awe of who he is, in reverence of who he is. Would you everybody just close your eyes today and we're gonna pray. Father, In this very moment in time, we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts. Allow us to see the power that is already yours. That you don't take counsel from man, counsel from nations. You, Lord, know the hearts and minds of every human being walking on the planet. You have decided to go from terror to tenderness. Father let us receive that today. Let not one more arrow come from Satan's quiver directed towards us to bring us more fear, that we now put up our shield of faith that is able to quench every fiery dart of Satan. My faith is not in my ability. My faith is in you as you have pronounced your power and your awesomeness in the world. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that today I begin to cut away at this mountain of fear and I live in the power of your faith over fear. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, it. Brothers and sisters, thank you. We'll pick up where we left off at next week. And we'll keep moving forward in this particular series. It's important that we get this. The finished work of Christ.